When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Hey Mary Kay on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Doug Lamarie is along with the great Mary Kay Cabot. We have about six or seven football questions lined up for everybody. And Mary Kay, of course, some people do want to hear about your trip to London and Rome. So we will get to that as well. But let's start with a question that I think may have been covered to some degree, but I think it's so interesting. It's worth talking about again. And it is from one of our loyal Browns insiders from the 203. Hey, Mary Kay. This may have been asked already, as I saw it was written about before, but that's okay. You're allowed to re-ask questions because it's so interesting. But who has the advantage in week one, the Browns or Carolina? Is it Baker because he knows Cleveland or the Browns because they know Baker? I do think he will come out and play well. It's the kind of game he thrives on from the 203, is there an edge one way or the other there, Mary Kay? You know, I do think it's a great question. It is a great question because obviously uh, Baker will have the opportunity to give that very thorough scouting report to the Carolina Panthers, and he will gladly do that. He's very excited about this game, as we know. Uh, But I actually am going to give the edge to the Cleveland Browns because the Browns are going to change things up. They already use their OTAs and their minicamp as a passing camp. So we know they're bringing the passing game up to 2022 standards. We know know they're doing a lot of different things. As far as the Browns are concerned, they really know Baker Mayfield. They know what he can do well. They know what defenses took away from him last year. They know his strengths. They know his weaknesses. What they don't know, what they don't know this year is how much of an impact did the shoulder injury have on Baker Mayfield from last year? So if they're going off what happened last year, uh, they might have to pivot or readjust a little bit when they actually get into the football game and see that perhaps he's better than he was last year. And that maybe some of the second half of 2020 Baker shows up. But for the most part, I'm still going to give the edge to the Cleveland Browns uh, for knowing Baker the way that they do and for having, uh, speaking of edge, the edge rushers that they have in Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, who can kind of hem Baker in, try to keep him in the pocket. Uh, so they have a lot of things that they'll do in that regard. I just sort of have a vision, Mary Kay, of an early play action rollout where Baker fakes the handoff and spins to roll out to his right and Jadavion Clowney just catches him, is just there. It's like, hey, Bake, what's going on, man? Like that, that, that idea of knowing what he does well, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because it's the Browns. I'd say the same thing in reverse. It does make sense to me that the defense, knowing what a quarterback likes to do and what he succeeds at and how he sees the field and reads things, it feels like they might even be able to do some things to try to you know, trick him, make his eyes see things that aren't there a little bit because – Kevin Stefanski has been in the room with this guy for two years. He knows how he thinks football. And I think they can almost use that against him. It does feel like just any defense might have the edge 
on a former quarterback in a matchup like this. Yeah. And also um, we've been talking about this a lot is the fact that Joe Woods, he's going to run a much more sophisticated defense this year in that, you know, he knows he can do some different things with JOK this year. Uh, He can run some more exotic blitzes. They will try to show Baker different looks. They know that his processing speed isn't that of a, like a Drew Brees or somebody like that. So they know that they can uh, try to catch him off guard a little bit with some different looks and some things that he's not going to be expecting. So I think you want to watch for that. And I agree with you. I could see them committing a defender, somebody like a Jadavian Clowney uh, to going out there with Baker, but I could also see JOK doing it. I could 100% see that because JOK, you know, he's got the speed, uh, you know, to kind of get there and do some, some cool things and you can line him up in different spots too, so that, so that he's ready for that sort of thing. Uh, So I I think they're going to be ready for Baker. From the five, one, three. Hey, Mary Kay. First, I would like to say it's great that the voice of the people, Doug is back in the podcast. I I didn't mean to read that part. That was just for me. Thank you from the five, one, three. Good for you. Here's my question statement with how bad Baker played last year. Am I crazy to think that this could be a 12 win team with just average quarterback play? Also, uh, well, we'll leave it at that because the second part gets to another part. It's from our guy Tyson um, in Alliance. That idea, Mary Kay, that, and we've talked about this a little bit again, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, but it's always interesting to, to talk about it again. That just with the injury, the level of the quarterback play this year, how much would of a jump could this team make with even average quarterback play this year? Is 12 and five too big of a jump if the quarterback play is just average? You know what? I think it's a little bit more complicated than that in that in addition to getting a little bit better quarterback play and trying to get to that point, uh, if you're with Jacoby Brissett, you're also going to have better offensive tackle play because you're presumably going to have too much healthier offensive tackles this year. You're also going to have an X receiver in Amari Cooper that you didn't have last year after Odell Beckham Jr. left the lineup. You were done from X standpoint. Uh, you did not have Kareem Hunt in the lineup last year. And I think that, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt is, is very valuable in terms of the things that you can do and the versatility that you can show on offense. So I think that, uh, that if you put all of those things in the hopper that you can get to, I don't know if you'll get all the way from eight to 12, but certainly I think you can get from at least eight to 10. And that could just be what you need to get to the playoffs. I do think that's a point very well taken that by the end last season, there was a lot with the offense that wasn't functioning mm-hmm. mostly because of injury, as you just spelled out. And so when you have those parts back, Do they all have to be spectacular? They probably just have to do kind of what you expect because this is a defense that maybe is capable of carrying a team a pretty long way. If the offense can do something, and there were just too many times last year where between Baker's injury and the tackle injuries and Hunt's injury and everything else, that the offense almost didn't give you a chance. So I do think, but I do think it's, it's valuable to remember, especially the tackles, how much of a factor that was. From the 330, hey, Mary Kay, offensive line, if healthy, is a strength. Any update on the health of Jack Conklin, Jed Wills, Chris Hubbard, et cetera? That's from SL Smith in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Where do we think it stands with those offensive linemen and their health? 
Well, it's a great question because we all know how vitally important a good offensive line is. And we have talked so often about how good this one is, but it's only going to be as good as its tackles are this year. So let's start with Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin, the word that I'm receiving on him uh, is that he's coming along very, very well and that they are very excited about where he is in his development right now coming off the torn patella. But as you remember, he also had a dislocated elbow last year and he's, you know, some of his body parts are, you know, kind of a little fragile at this point. So if he can get on the field, that's great, but then he's got to stay on the field. That will help them a ton. As far as Jed Wills is concerned, uh, I think the Browns fully expect him to bounce back from a season last year marred by an ankle injury. And I do expect him to be a lot better than he was last year. So those are all good things. Chris Hubbard, uh, Ashley Bastock just wrote about him. We have a story up on cleveland.com about him. He's coming back from his injury, uh, the torn triceps. And so uh, the outlook, at least at this point, is so much better at the tackle position. They've got their swing tackle back. Uh, so, so they've got the depth. They've got their starters. So that's all good. And then you've got uh, Nick Harris, who is going to be trying to fill in for the Ironman J.C. Treader. So there, uh, you know, there are a lot of things to look at on the offensive line, but if they all go the way that the Browns expect them to go, it should be a very good line again. Listen, guys get hurt, right? Every team deals with injuries, but you never plan for your three best offensive tackles to all have health issues in the same year. And again, Mary Kay, the people listening to this, they're smart. They know what's up. The Chris Hubbard injury last year, my goodness, you cannot underrate how important that was because you had no wiggle room left. And then when Conklin went out and then when Jed Wills had the nagging injury that he couldn't escape, my gosh, now you're playing guys that you never wanted to play. And it made, well, how, how are these guys on the field for a team that's trying to make the playoff? And it's like, well, because the swing tackle was the first guy to go down. That injury, Mary Kay, not that. Not that a healthy Chris Hubbard solves everything last year, but I'm not so sure you couldn't make an argument that could they make the playoffs if Chris Hubbard's healthy the whole year? I don't. That's probably a slight bridge too far, but that was a gigantic injury, and I think people know how big that was. But if again, this is back to the thing you were saying. It doesn't have to be the world's greatest offense. Mm-hmm. Just have healthy, competent tackles, and that will be way above where they were last year. Yeah, to be getting into your fourth and fifth offensive tackles, we all saw that what that did. Now, if you've got a super lightning quick processor and someone who is mobile enough to get away from pressure uh, and to maybe run some designed runs and things like that, or to stand tall in the pocket and see over your guys and deliver the ball, you might be able to get away with what they had to go through last year in that regard. But when you put all of those factors together, it was a recipe for disaster. And then you saw what happened in those final two games in Green Bay and against the Pittsburgh Steelers with the nine sacks and the five bats and all that kind of stuff. So it just it, it was not good for Baker at all for that to happen like that. It's a point. That's another point well taken. Quick break here on Hey, Mary Kay. We'll come back. More questions from Mary Kay Cabot after this. Doug Lamarice back with Mary Kay Cabot. The people, Mary Kay, they... They do want to hear about your little European sojourn. But there is one question that I am also interested in. This is from the 740. Hey, Mary Kay, what's the chatter in Roman Piazza's about Deshaun Watson? That's from Russ. I This is my version of that question, Mary Kay. 
did anything about the Browns cross? Now, I, I'm sure you were checking on stuff, but were the words Cleveland Browns or Deshaun Watson or anything uttered in your presence while you were in Europe? Yes. 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 For real? Wow. Yes. How? 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 Yes, they were. Well, first of all, uh, we we met up uh, in London with with someone who used to live in Cleveland okay. and was just a huge Browns fan. And so we had to talk all about Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. So that was one thing. I'm trying to think if there were others. Um, uh, well, I did. I did receive some direct messages from Paul Brown, who is a, an enormous yes. uh, Brown. You know him. Uh, an enormous Browns fan in London. Yep. So we corresponded. We actually ended up, uh, he texted me one day or DM me one day and we had just missed each other at Big Ben. So he wanted to know a little bit about Deshaun Watson while I was over there. Uh, but other than that, I, I didn't see too many. I, I really didn't see anybody walking around with, you know, Browns gear on or anything. I did not have a lot of encounters like that. Okay. That's good. I mean, it'd be great to see Browns fans all over the place, but also it's your vacation. You should be able to have a vacation. So then now, you know, there's also people just want a little bit of a, you know, a tour guide from the 917. Please make the podcast all about your trip to London and Rome. Like, what was the best stuff you saw? Let's start with there. What were the one or two or three things you saw that were like, just took your breath away? They were like, wow, I can't believe this is awesome. Well, one of the things that I enjoyed the most was seeing Phantom of the Opera in London. And it was, you want to talk about take your breath away. Uh, I spent the few extra pennies. I got really good seats. So we were in the fourth row and the lead singer, the lead playing Christine right now is Lucy St. Louis. And it was so phenomenal. It was the best show I've ever seen. And if anybody gets the chance to go to Phantom of the Opera in London, do it. It was just absolutely mesmerizing and wonderful. I almost like came to tears. It was that good. So that was one thing. And then uh, I loved everything about London. When I was there for the Browns game five years ago or whatever it was, I saw a little bit of London, but I really didn't have an opportunity to immerse myself in the culture of London and just really experience it at all. And this time I did have that chance. And, you know, I really, you know, got on the tube, tried to figure out, uh, you know, how to use the bus system, uh, you know, took trains, took a train to London Gatwick Airport one day to go to Rome. And, uh, you know, so really sort of tried to figure out what, you know, lifestyle, what the lifestyle in London was all about. We stayed uh, at a Marriott. Thank goodness for those Marriott points. Right. Mm. So we stayed at a, at a, a bankside autograph collection Marriott, which was phenomenal. And it was right on the Thames River. Nice. And all you all you had to do was walk across any number of the bridges going over the Thames, which includes um, the London Bridge, of course, the Westminster Bridge, the Tower Bridge, uh, the the Briars Lane Bridge. I mean, it just I mean, you can walk over the Westminster Bridge and in 12 minutes you are at Westminster Abbey and Big Ben. You walk over the. um the Briars Bridge, Briar Road Bridge, I think it is. I, I'm, it's one of those. You walk over that bridge, and from our hotel, you you find yourself at St. Paul's Cathedral, which was spectacular, absolutely wonderful. I have a picture of the cathedral, St. Paul's, on my Instagram right now, which is also Mary Kay Cabot. Um, and then, so that was all phenomenal. 
just London in general. I, I just, I love the vibe. I love the energy. I'm a big, I would have been a big city person if I didn't end up, you know, staying here and having my family. I would have loved to have lived in a place like mm. London or New York or somewhere like that for, for a few, few years. It was absolutely spectacular. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we did the river cruise, we did a, you know, some tours and things like that, that were great. And then Rome absolutely took my breath away. I mean, it was more surreal and spectacular than I could have imagined. I couldn't conjure that up in my imagination. I mean, there's just no way. These structures and the sculpture and the buildings and the artwork. I mean, why aren't we doing this kind of artwork anymore? What happened to like, where's the next Michelangelo? Like, where is he? I mean, to sit there, we just, you're not allowed to talk. You're He's not making NFTs. <laughs> right. You're not supposed to speak when you're sitting inside the Sistine Chapel looking up at the work of the great Michelangelo. And really, I kind of understand why. I mean, it's just it's you know, you're supposed to be reverent and all that kind of thing. And we were that. But just you're you're just so mesmerized by what you're looking at up there that you don't even want to talk. I mean, you're just trying to take it all in. So I loved the Sistine Chapel. Uh, I, I loved looking out over uh, Cameron and I did a, a little tour one night. We thought it was going to be, that's my daughter. She's 21 years old. She goes to the Ohio state university. She's a business major at Ohio state and she's over in London doing an internship. She's actually doing a lot of media. She's doing marketing, but she's writing articles on restaurants and sightseeing and she's doing TikToks, And so she's getting a lot of really good experience and um, and it's cool, too, because she's if she's going somewhere, she's staying in a hostel. She's doing it on the cheap the way that, you know, college students are supposed to. So I'm proud of her for all that. Um, but she um, but we saw so many things that uh, were just absolutely mesmerizing. And it was such an education that you cannot get out of a book. And we went on this tour one night where we thought it was going to be like 10 people in this, in this van. And it was just the two of us. Somehow it was just the two of us. And this driver took us all over Rome to all the major nice. sites. And it was in the evening. So you got the golden hour, you know, photos and things like that. And it was things that we would not have seen had we just done the conventional tours. Like he knew different places to take us. And uh, so we went to, you know, Piazza Nav Navono and, you know, just so many different things that we saw that we would not have been able to see. And I would recommend something like that to anybody. And it wasn't even that expensive. Like I said, we thought it was going to be 10 of us. And for like $80 a person for three hours, we got taken all over Rome in a, in a van. And so that was, that was really, really cool. I loved the Coliseum. I mean, come on the Coliseum. And the cool part about the, the Coliseum is um, last night, my mom called and said, Hey, there's a, a special on the Coliseum on the history channel. So I got an opportunity to, you know, to watch some of that and to actually, you know, see some, uh, you know, renditions of like what it actually would have looked like. But one of the fun facts we learned while we were at the Coliseum, which is just awe inspiring. It's just huge and amazing. And I, you can't believe that they could build something like that yeah. back then thousands of years ago with none of the equipment and none of the technology that we have today. But one of the interesting facts about the Coliseum was that, they would take a break at lunchtime from the gladiators um, games 
uh, at like from 12 to one o'clock, they, they would take a break and it was lunchtime and you could leave the Coliseum and get back in with your same ticket or whatever you had, oh, you know, like on, your I- on your iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason why they did that is because from 12 to one at lunchtime, they would execute the bad guys by throwing them to the lions inside the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Just did you know that? Did you know I, that, Doug? I didn't know that, but now I'll never forget it. <laughs> so, I mean, just to hear details like that about like the things that went on and, and the things that people actually witnessed and did back then, it was just kind of bizarre. But yeah, so we saw like the place where, you know, Caesar was stabbed. We saw, you know, there's just so many things. I mean, it, there's so much history. I could have spent easily, I could have easily spent five days in Rome. And I had great, great food there. I love meatballs. Yeah, what, was the, meatballs. what was the best thing you ate on your trip? The, the, the meatballs in Rome. I had everywhere I went, I got, I, I'm a meatball guy. And this, the meatballs were just outstanding. I'm imagining you in the Sistine Chapel alone <laughs> with your thoughts, gazing up at one of the great miracles of man in the history of the, of our species. And in the silence, you're not supposed to talk in the silence, Somebody leaning over to you and saying, excuse me, do you know when a Deshaun Watson going to be suspended? And just like <laughs> ruining, like you're identified. It's like, can I be alone in the system? Well, it sounds like you had a great trip. Do you think, could you talk to Roger Goodell? We know the NFL likes to play overseas. How about an NFL game in the Coliseum? Do you think that could work? Oh, that would be phenomenal. Put that on the list. We got to put that on the list. You I mean, have you a lot can... of. You have a lot of sway, Mary Kay. If you throw I that do. out to Raj, we could I'll get, get that, that done. I'll get that done. I mean, you have to go there, Doug. You have to take your family. How many kids do you have again? Two. You got to take your, and they're both girls, right? They are. You've got to take your your girls and your wife, if you get the chance, take them to Rome. It's an unbelievable education to to go there and and just to, to see that stuff in person. It's phenomenal. Mine only, I probably only take one. I have to pick the one I like best. Seems oh. seems a little expensive. The flights are a little pricey right now. Well, it's lovely that you had a great trip. Um, we're glad that you got away and had a chance to like reset a little bit. And uh, and then now enough of that. Whatever yet is Europe's wonderful. We get it. Back to the Browns. <laughs> yes. Two questions. We got two questions. On, sure. Uh, on the, and now we're going to get back to football from the two six seven. Hey, Mary Kay. It's Paul from Philly. If the Deshaun Watson ruling comes down and it's some form of suspension and one or both sides appeals, could this drag into the season without a resolution and Deshaun then starts the season, particularly if the NFL appeals and gives a longer suspension than the judge, Deshaun could file suit in court for an injunction, all these kind of things. The basic thrust of it there, Mary Kay, is there a chance that it drags into the season and while it's in a holding pattern, Deshaun Watson actually plays week one. You know, I mean, it's a great question and one that I hadn't really thought of all this time. I just assumed uh, that there would be a resolution by the start of the season. And I still think that there will be some kind of a resolution by the start of the season. But as you mentioned, uh, if it turns into a lawsuit and it starts to drag on, what happens at that point? Uh, I suppose there is a world in which he could start the season and then have the season interrupted by a suspension. I mean, at this point, anything is possible. Anything is still on the table, including no suspension, a half a year, a full year with a chance to apply for reinstatement afterwards. 
we could have an appeal. We could have a settlement. We could have a federal suit. Uh, it's all still out there. The one thing that has come up, I think, in the course of this, Mary Kay, is that there are moments where there's certain reporting from certain people. Maybe it's your reporting. Maybe it's somebody else. And there, people develop a vibe. I think there have been different times when people felt like, oh, I think it might be getting going this way, shorter suspension. No, I think it's going this way, longer suspension. Do you think it's possible right now to have a handle on how this might go? Or is it truly, it's just, there's too many things that could happen that nobody has a handle. Anything is possible is more where we are right now. Well, let me say this, and it's complicated. If you talk to anybody connected with the Deshaun Watson side of things, they seem to be pretty confident that he's going to be playing football at some time this season. And I have written that in like some hey, MKs yep. and things like that. But I, you know, I don't know if that's wishful thinking, mm. hope. I don't know. Um, the there there is more coming out of the NFLPA I find than is coming out of the NFL. Okay, so a lot of the momentum that you hear, like when the three day hearing is up and you see and hear, you know, just optimism. A lot of that is because it's coming from the NFLPA side. The NFL has been pretty mum on how things are going. Now, it does seem like the NFLPA walked out of that three day hearing feeling pretty good about its its argument, about its case. But we you know, I'm sure Judge Robinson isn't really going to tip her hand and give any indication of what she's thinking in the middle of these hearings. Uh, so now she's, she is uh, pouring over the briefs and she will take her time and be very deliberate and thoughtful in not only making her decision, but writing it out because this is a document that, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's the first one under this new policy. So everyone wants to get it right and and do it the right way. Um, so I would say that the NFL has been a lot quieter. And so sometimes when it seems like it's going Deshaun's way, I think that's because the NFL PA side has been leaking more stuff. That is great insight. That's great insight. You're not going to get insight like that in many places, people. This is another, these are three questions that are basically all the same. From the 919. Clearly, if Watson gets suspended for six or eight games, we need a backup quarterback to Brissett. As they are not inclined to go after Jimmy Garoppolo and the free agent QBs are scary, what is a realistic option as the backup? That's Glenn from Raleigh, North Carolina. Two other questions along this. Hey, Mary Kay from Tom and Charlotte. Where do you see the tipping point in the number of games that Watson would be suspended for the Browns to actually make them pursue? Jimmy Garoppolo. If not Jimmy G, what realistic options are readily available for the Browns? And one more, this is Hey Mary Kay from the 216. It's Howard in LA. If Watson gets suspended for over eight games, don't you think the Browns need to reconsider Jimmy G? There's only so long a window when a talented team like the Browns can afford to keep all this talent under contract. All versions of the same question, Mary Kay, which Mm -hmm. sort of is zooming in on if it's a really long suspension, do they need to consider somebody other than Jacoby Brissett? I think that's the thrust of it. Mm-hmm. Right? What, what, what's your view on all that? Again, it's a really, really good question and it's a complicated situation. So I think at this point that the Browns are fairly confident 
that Deshaun is going to get back on the field at some point this season. Um, so therefore, I don't think that they really have seriously thought about a Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. Uh, I do think that they will sign someone to back up J- Jacoby Brissett. You know, I think, you know, it seems to me, and I, I really haven't written this this definitively, but it almost seems to me like the Deshaun Camp is sort of thinking of a half season type of thing. Like maybe they'll meet them in the middle and whatever. So let's just assume that, that that's kind of what the Browns are thinking. In that regard, I think they feel like Jacoby Brissett with the strength of the defense and yep. the running game and the skill players that they can get by that they can. And they've got a very easy first four games. And actually, according to Warren Sharp, the eighth easy, easiest schedule in the NFL this season. So I think there is some sentiment that they feel like Jacoby can kind of hold down the fort for those first eight games. And the Deshaun comes back for the last eight games and they've already have, you know, four victories. And then Deshaun can come in and do what he does and they have a good chance of making the playoffs. Now, if Deshaun is suspended for the full, for the full year, at that point, I personally think you at least have to think about a Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Because you, you don't want to, you know, just write this season off. They are built to go to the Super Bowl. They were built that way last year, and they're built that way this year. This is their sweet spot. This is their time. So I think you at least have to have the discussion, okay? And, you know, you might by then get a little opportunity to see how Jacoby's looking in practice when he's working more with the first team. You know, it's not front burner and it's not something they really want to do. Uh, But I think it's unavoidable to at least consider it. You'd be doing yourself and your team a disservice if you didn't at least think about it. I mean, you have to figure out where Jimmy is in his rehab from surgery and things like that. Um, But if you know, that it's going to be a full year. I think it's a discussion you at least have to have. And is that your dividing line? Full year is when you would think about it. If it's anything short of a full year, six, eight, 10, 12, then you play it out with Brissett and, and wait for Deshaun to come back. You know, I think even at 12, you might at least uh, have the discussion about okay. it. Sit around a table with your people and really ask yourself if you know what you're going to be able to accomplish this season with Jacoby for 12 full games. Okay. And and if you think that you would be preventing your team from making the playoffs and that you have something else you can do, then at least try to think about that other thing. Cuz I do think that's interesting. You just got to get in. Just get in. And right. then if you think Deshaun's going to be back for when the playoffs are happening, you just get in and be the six or seven seed that nobody wants to play and take your shot. But right. it would really be disheartening, whatever it is, that if it would come back and if you find out with Deshaun Watson, the Browns are one of the three or four best teams in the league, but they dug such a hole without him that they're not going to make the playoffs. That right. would be very difficult. And it's, so it, you sound like maybe it's more like anything more than half a year is when you've got to start thinking about it. Cause that's the, that might be, that's when you get to a point where the hole's too deep. Yeah. And at least, like I said, maybe that you don't necessarily pull the trigger on it, but you have to get in a room with your top people and at least think about it, if anything longer than eight. Okay. Great insight. Last break. A couple more questions. Not about Baker Mayfield, not about Deshaun Watson, all about football next on Hey Mary Kay. Doug and Mary Kay back. Cap question. Cap question. I'm not great on the cap. You're great on everything from the 330. Hey, Mary Kay, are the Browns able to move cap space from year to year? 
I was under the impression that teams can have carryover of a certain percentage. Is there any way to have a capology 101 for fans? So we're not going to do a capology 101. That's like a whole full level course, but we can answer this question from Damon in Youngstown. Mary Kay, how's that work with moving cap space around? Um, yes, you can move cap space forward uh, to a future year. And I, I would have to refresh my memory on exactly how much and how that all goes down. But yes, you can do that. And they should be heading into this season with something like $49 million in cap space. Uh, and and that's, that's a lot. That's a significant amount. And they're going to need that going forward because your larger contracts, including that of Deshaun Watson, will be kicking in next year. Uh, so they they will it would behoove them to do that. They don't need it this year because, as you know, they reduced uh, the big big salaries of like Amari and Denzel and Deshaun down to one point something for for this year. Good answer. This is hardcore football from the four six nine. Hey Mary Kay, which of the following players is most likely to be named to the Pro Bowl in twenty twenty two? And they pick these three names. It's Brian and Bloomington. Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, or Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa? Who's the most likely pro bowler of those three? Mm. It's a good question. I am going to, you know, off the top of my head, I am going to say JOK because I think it might be easier to make it from the linebacker position uh, than, than it might be from a, a cornerback position because there are some amazing cornerbacks in the NFL. And I think JOK already established him last year as one of the best linebackers in the league, even with his weird off season and not having as much time to practice as he would have liked. Uh, and I think this year they will put more on his plate. They will do more things with him. Uh, they will showcase his versatility. I think he'll blitz more. I think he'll get some sacks. I think he'll get some turnovers. So I'm going to go with JOK. I do think it's difficult. Greg Newsom is not the best player on this team at his position, which makes it a little more difficult. I would be even curious to know how often do two corners from the same team make the Pro Bowl or what you would, or how you would envision that Greg Newsom would make it and Denzel Ward would not. Like what, mm -hmm. what exactly that would look like. Maybe Denzel's so good, nobody throws at him and Greg Newsom has seven picks and the numbers get him in. I don't know. But I do think, who's the best linebacker on the Browns? Mm -hmm. It's J-O-K. It's J-O-K. So I think like just the path, it's how well mm -hmm. you think they'll play, but you think about path. I think JOK oh. is kind of a special kind of guy. There's not a guy's, not a lot of guys like him. And that kind of pops a little bit where it's like, oh no, Greg Newsom, you have a teammate who's also really good. All right. Mm -hmm. Remember you guys, people who are getting to ask these questions are doing so because they're Browns insiders. Great opportunity. You get to communicate with one of the best writers in the NFL directly asked her questions. If you want to be a Browns insider, you can sign up at cleveland.com slash Browns. You get all kinds of benefits, but I would rank this Mary Kay at the very top of the benefits. You get a little extra story every day and you get the text from all of us, but the ability to ask a future hall of fame NFL writer questions directly. Mwah! That's your spicy meatball right there, Mary Kay. <laughs> so, so I think people, if you, if you want to take advantage of this, join us before the season starts, become a Browns insider, and you can ask a question like this. It's our final one. And I'm, I don't know exactly what this means, and I don't know if you can answer it. Mm -hmm. From the 720, hey, Mary Kay, now that Baker's out of town, can Mary Kay tell the story about what she saw him do during Senior Bowl week? The thing she mentioned to Dorsey and the Browns. Thanks, Dave in Denver. 
I don't know what that is, and I don't know if you can answer it. Well, you know what? I actually am still planning on doing um, a retrospective on Mm. what it was like to cover Baker Mayfield because I didn't get a chance to do it. Uh, What happened was he was traded the day I left for Europe. And all I had time to do was I was I showed you guys I my whole dining room table was filled with all the things I had planned to pack for the airport that day, but I didn't have them packed yet. And Baker was traded. So I had time to hit the button on a just in case story that I had already written, uh, updated a little bit and, you know, throw the comment, the um, statements and stuff in there. Then we did a podcast and then I threw everything into the suitcase and we went to the airport and things get crazy at the airport, as you know. And I just, once I got to Europe, I just did not sit down and and write the Baker Mayfield retrospective. But I'm still planning on doing that, even though, even while I was there, I tweeted something out and people were like, don't write about Baker anymore. We don't care. Baker's gone. But I think I have a unique perspective on covering Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. And I still think there would be some value in writing that. What do you think, Doug? Do you think so? No, I think for sure. He was a hugely important player in the history of Cleveland sports. And this is first draft of history kind of stuff. We don't know where it's going to go for here for either him or the Browns. And so people like history. So it's not saying anything's he should have been traded. He shouldn't have been traded or whatever. It's just an early draft of history, right? This is Brown's history that really matters. And your view of how it went down, all the things that happened, I think is incredibly valuable. And if people don't want to read it, the people that don't want to read it, that's fine. But there's going to be stuff in that story from you, Mary Kay, that you're not going to find anywhere else. So yeah, do it. Yeah. So I'm planning on doing it. And then, you know, I just kind of got back and I'm just getting, uh, you know, settled in and I I have to do it as soon as I can, because I mean, the minute the Deshaun Watson stuff breaks, then it's going to be difficult to to kind of concentrate and do something like that. But I still plan on doing it. And I will talk about uh, the senior bowl and my observations there and uh, the discussions that I had. And I, and I know what our readers talking about. I alluded to this on a podcast with Colin Cowherd once where I, I mentioned that, uh, you know, I kind of had my reservations at the senior bowl about some of the leadership issues and things like that, but I'm going to save, uh, mm. you know, the, the details for my, for my essay. Um, but I, what I plan to do is just kind of give a little, you know, inside look at, you know, my impressions, my thoughts, um, you know, maybe a couple anecdotes here and there. So uh, I just have to, I have to find some uninterrupted time. I mean, you need time to try to concentrate on a story like that. And in our crazy business nowadays, we don't have a lot of time to just like sit down and work on a and craft a piece. You know that as well as anybody, right, Doug? I mean, like back in the day, you could spend three weeks and, you know, work on a takeout and stuff like that. Now it's like, you don't really have all of that kind of time, but I'm going, I plan on doing it and I plan on doing it sooner than later. So Raj, if you guys could just chill for another couple of days and let Mary Kay get this done before the Deshaun thing comes down, we'd appreciate it because we want to read this. We all want to read this. All right. So you guys can look for that at cleveland.com slash Browns. You can look for Hey Mary Kay each week in the orange and brown talk feed. We have some other podcasts lined up for you guys this week talking about the Browns. We appreciate you guys always being with us. And we certainly appreciate your time, Mary Kay, breaking down what's going on with this team and around the NFL. For Mary Kay Cabot, 
I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Hey Mary Kay on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>